Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Zero to 10 podcast, where we focus on helping bootstrapped entrepreneurs and business owners grow their businesses to $10 million. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today, I welcome Sean Rosenstiel back to the podcast to chat about how to kick some ass in 2022 and really drive growth in your business. In this supersized episode, Sean and I each share three ideas or areas that we are focused on as keys for success in 2022. We then discuss each of them in detail. Sean and I share some strong opinions and differing opinions sometimes, but mostly aligned on what will work and what won't work this year. And a spoiler alert, your website is important and conventional wisdom is gonna be a race to the bottom. I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation. And if you do enjoy this podcast and get some value out of it, please subscribe on iTunes or hit the follow button on Spotify and share it with other business owners who would enjoy it. Now, let's get this interview started. Hey, good morning, Sean. Welcome back to the podcast. Morning. Thanks for having me. Now it's good to have you back. And we're going to try something a little bit different as we're now, when this will go live, we're entering, it will be in 2022. And I thought I would bring you back. I've lost count how many times you've been on the podcast. And you and I could just have a, a conversation or kind of share our two or three tips, strategies, areas to focus to make you know 2022 successful. Just have a conversation around it because I know you're a digital marketing, you know, person first. You know, expert makes you cringe, but <laughs> you're you're my go-to expert in the digital marketing space. But you're also very well well versed within, you know, the the small business space and growth. So I thought this would be a, a great way to kick off 2022. Just bring you on. Let's have a conversation. Uh, and the way I thought we'd do this is each of us has you know a couple of points that we think will make it success. We'll just have a conversation about it and, and off and running. So with that long context intro, welcome. And, uh, you know, I think I'll throw it over to you. What's, uh, what's, what's one thing you think we should, our owners should be focused on here in 2022 to, to make it the best year ever? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So these are some things I think, Brett, that I've been focusing on this year that will carry over uh, into next year. But uh, the first one I would say is if you don't already have one, install a system to run your business. There's plenty of systems out there. You know, eMyth is a good one. Uh, EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, is a good one. That's the one that I chose. There's scaling up with Vern Harnish and the Rockefeller Habits, right? There's probably five to seven good business systems to choose from. But I, I, for me, it was, you know, I read the book Traction by Gino Wickman, which talks about EOS back in, I think it was 2012 when I first read it. And I just fell in love with it because my business at the time was so chaotic and it really resonated deeply with me. And I, I wanted more peace of mind out of my business. I can remember thinking, I don't want more profits. I don't want more people. <laughs> just give me some peace of mind. You know, I want my mental health back during the evenings. I want my mental health back during the weekends. I want to be present with my growing family. And, and traction really is what did that for me. Um, so just having a system where you can clarify your vision and, 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 and really make it clear for everybody working with you in the company and a system in which you can gain traction toward achieving that vision and ultimately becoming more of a cohesive, cohesive team, right? Whether you're a team of two or a team of 50, I think it's really 
important to run your company on a system. I mean, the universe runs on a system. And I don't know why more of us aren't taught this earlier on in our entrepreneurial endeavors, but um, that's really changed the game for me over the past few years. And I think in 2020 and in 2021, I, I somewhat let off the gas on how compliant I was running the system. So for me, it's like just getting back on track with some of the things that I've allowed to, um, you know, let go a little bit of and really bolt, you know, bolting down the hatches in 2022 and making sure that I'm running it as streamlined as possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you and I are big fans of that, right? I mean, the, the beauty of what I do is I get to talk to the folks from EOS and traction and I love to take bits and pieces at work of it, but I mean, a hundred percent you got to have a, a, a system in place to help you make better decisions. And yeah, I think where we run into the, the entrepreneurs and business owners that are moving from that one to one, right. To one to many, you can't scale unless you you're intentional about what you're doing. And I think too, sometimes people get overwhelmed with the thought of a system or process and, you know, I'm a visionary, I'm not a process person and it doesn't have to be super sophisticated, Right, it just gives you the ability to be intentional, right, about what you're doing with your business and understand, right, the um, downstream impact of, of making certain decisions. So it's not we're not encourage you to get paralyzed by the the, the process, but but have one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do cringe with that word because it's you know a lot of us are like you said to your point visionaries and oh that sounds too rigid. That's too, con you know, I'm too confined, you know, don't, don't box me in, but it's right. There's actually a lot of freedom. I mean, ironically, there's a lot of freedom in it. I look at it as like a playbook. I mean, at the beginning of every year, if you're a football fan, it's like, you know, your North stars to win that Super Bowl. Like you have rebuild years we do in companies too, but like the North stars to win the Super Bowl, like that, there's no question about right. that. Well, what's the North star of the company and do all of your players understand what that North star is like where you're looking to go by the end of the year. Um, so I look at a system as your playbook, you know, every team has a playbook. Whenever you have an entity with more than one individual, especially when it comes to sports, you have a playbook. So you know how to run the plays day to day, you know, where yeah. you're going long-term, you know how you're going to get there and everybody has to understand and be singing from that same playbook or songbook. Right. So yeah, super no. important. I love that analogy. And the one of the things too, I, I work or encourage owners to think about is right. There's two pieces. There's the, the playbook, right? This is your 12 month, six month, 18 month plan of things that we're going to do. But then you also have to have your game plan, right? So use the sports analogy every week, you're pulling plays out of that playbook, but it's going to be specific for what you're trying to do in your short term. That's right. right your short term goals. So Again, I know not everybody's a sports fan, but I do think the analogy works and you should be able to understand that, hey, here's your, your back to your North Star. Here's our overall plan, but here's what we're doing on a, a weekly or shorter term basis in order to, to drive the business. That's right. Yeah. And people, you know, your people love that because it sets clear expectations. Like if you're a visionary, you may not need that. You know, you're, you're swimming in the results economy. Right. Well, your yes. people are in the time and effort economy, so it's a different paradigm there and they love it and they value those clear expectations. Like when they have marching orders every week and they understand that those marching orders are adding up and moving toward a quarterly goal or a rock, uh, as so, some people call it. And those quarterly goals or rocks add up to the annual, you know, that that helps us achieve what we're looking to do over the next 12 months. 
they love that clear expectation setting. Right. You know, they, they, they value that and they thrive on that. So again, you as a visionary might think it's nuts because you're comfortable with the uncomfortable, but chances are nine out of 10 of your people aren't. Yeah. And, and maybe just one last point on that until you know, we can transition to the next one is right, that doesn't have to be employees either, right? With the world we're moving into, and we'll talk about it. One of my points is using contractors and partners. And I know you're a big, a big fan of the who, not the how as well, that it's, you got to have that process in place to work with the, the folks that are outside of your, your payroll, probably even more importantly, right? But, but getting those missions aligned and, and having the, the plan for those is, is critical, right? If again, paid marketing, whatever you want to do with it, it's, you have that system in place to, to help you manage it. No, it's such a good point. I mean, I, I try to bring vendors in. And when and if vendors don't care or don't aren't interested, it's like, well, <laughs> you might not be the right vendor. Right. You know, like we we build websites for our clients. It's our job to understand their vision. It's our job to understand what the objectives are and how what we're doing can support their overall vision. So it's no different with our own vendors. And when they're not interested in, you know, talking for 10, 15 minutes to understand the big picture of what we're trying to do, it's kind of a signal that, you know what, you know, maybe we need to find someone who's a little more invested in us. Exactly. So I, I love your point. So beyond people, beyond your employees, absolutely partners, vendors, spouses, significant others, everyone you can enroll in is helpful. Yeah, no, hundred percent. All right. That's a great one to kick us off. All right. So I'm going to take a slightly different tack, but you know, one of the things um, that I'm looking forward to 2022, I've started embracing this year to your point is, throw out the conventional wisdom, right? Mm. I think what you've learned specifically around growing a business and you have to have salespeople or you've got to do a certain thing with marketing, right? Those days are gone. And what what I don't like to do is I'm not a fan of hacks, right? So don't find there's no real shortcut to do things, but don't follow the blueprint of things that have been done for the last 10, 15, 20 years. It doesn't work. There's too many folks, there's been too many folks on this podcast, such as yourself, Right. That I think one of the things you said, hey, SEO isn't uh, you didn't say it was dead, but <laughs> you had a point around SEO that it's not for everybody. There's, there's other not ways for everybody. to do it 100 yeah. percent. And so that's what I would challenge people to say, hey, there's other ways to do things. Think about it from your customer first and back into it. And like I said, I love to bring different thought leaders in here that are, are questioning and kind of crushing that conventional wisdom. And I'll give you one one. Um, story or sample, maybe a little bit different outside of the marketing realm, but I had a, a guest on here talking about the uh, Ryan Coogler. I don't think that episode's live yet, but it will be by the time we record. And he's got a concept called layering with his company. So he is the CEO and founder of three different companies, but he uses the same five employees to run those three companies. Hmm. You know, one's in marketing, awesome. one's in operations, and the way he's look, hey, look, I found the right folks. They like to be challenged with different things, different projects, different days, but I'm able to scale and they're all multi-million dollar companies. So it's not, you know, hundred K here, 200 K here, but multi-million dollar businesses running it with the same five people. You would have presented that option to folks even a couple of years ago. They just love it. Crazy. You can't do it. So that's what I want to challenge people to think, start with your customer and work back. And just because it hasn't been done. Don't think the other thing I'll add to that is don't think incrementally, think big, right? Go, I, I've been, 
negligent with that in my past where I'm always thinking incremental. How do we do this slightly better? Well, the fact is you can go think much bigger and you'll break through the trap of, of some of the challenges that business owners face today. I love that. Yeah. I mean, unconventional or, or conventional wisdom has never served me, as you know. So I, I love this one, thinking outside the box, appreciating the fact that every one of our businesses are like snowflakes. We're all different. So we really need to, we really need to find our own path. And uh, I, I love what you just said about that business model. We're, I'm in the process of, and I think we've talked about this, building a, a different sort of a business model where, you know, because I had uh, in, in one of my businesses back in 2015, I had at, at when we were our biggest, we had seven employees. Now that's a, it's a micro company. <laughs> it's hardly yeah. on the radar, but to me, the pressure and the stress of the overhead and meeting payroll every month and being responsible for seven mortgages. And, you know, it, I'm just not cut out for that for whatever reason. I'm a low overhead bootstrap kind of a, you know, Cash I don't want the stress. That's right. So coming back and, and, and sort of resurrecting an old business model this year, I'm like, how can I skin this cat without all of that pressure and responsibility and overhead? So what I ended up doing, and for those of us who have employees, it's the, the, the ship sailed. We got to figure out that model now, the more traditional model. But for those of you listening who are looking to scale and maybe you're onesie twosie right now, what I did is I learned this from a good friend, John LaDuca, who's the founder of Playbook Builder. Uh, he, he told me this concept and I loved it, which is you basically just hire contractors. And these contractors are really good at certain disciplines. And they actually are contractors who are solopreneurs. They own their own business. They got into business because they wanted to make more money and have more time freedom. And then they slowly learned over time that there's actually less money and less time freedom in this mousetrap I have created for myself. Right. And what, what, you know, they're out there and they're saying, I love selling, but I just hate servicing or gosh, I love servicing. I just love project managing or building the product or serving the client, but man, do I hate sales and marketing. So I went out this year and found those people who have more of an entrepreneurial spirit entrepreneurial perspective. And what's amazing is going back to what you just said about the who, not how mindset. I don't really have to train these people. These people are leaders in their own right. And all I had to do is create this opening, this opportunity, show them the overall roles and responsibilities of the position I'm looking to fill, whether it's marketing leader, sales leader, operations leader, finance leader, whatever it is. And they just, they're self-sufficient. They just come in, they love what they do. They're making more money, loving what they do leaving everything they hate to the side. So they don't have to worry about all the aspects of the business anymore. And what I love about that is since we serve high growth entrepreneurs, everyone on my team has perspective. Right. They have perspective of the entrepreneur. They are not a, you know, 20 something person with no, no job experience. They're actually very experienced business owners who, who get our clients really well and understand them. And have have that compassion for where our clients are in their journey of building their own business. So it's a totally different model. I never learned this in school. No, I graduated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I majored in entrepreneurship. I never learned anything like this. You know, it was always hire the employees, hire the employees, which is still a good model. There's nothing wrong with it. But I sit back and see some of my clients with hundreds of employees. I'm like, wow, you know, kudos to you. I don't know how you do this, but I honor you for it because 
you know, you're, you're really changing a lot of lives by cutting that many paychecks every two weeks, you know, good for you. We need people like you out there. Absolutely. Um, but what a shift in, in the way that you look at building a business thinking, wow, I could, I could do this with contractors. That's a radically different mindset then. Cause how many of us have been stuck with, okay, we're generating 100, 150, 200 a year. I, we got to hire that first employee. Ooh, you know, that's 50, right. 60, 70, 80, hundred thousand dollars that, that takes away from profits and everything else. So, um, it, it was a neat, it was a neat shift for me earlier this year when, when my buddy John told me about that model, I just fell in love and it. And it's similar to what you're talking about with, with the person, you know, who has a handful of companies, multi-million dollar companies, three to five people running the show across all entities. That's amazing. Yeah. And and I think I really like about that is I think the market's ready for it, right? Because I work with some folks that, that help me in different parts of my business and they do view themselves as contractors. Hey, I, I, this is what I do. I'll come in and help you. And then, then when I get them to think, well, even if you're just a contract and that's what you do for a living, I mean, you're, you're still your own business. Right. Think about what you really like to do. So I think you can get a much higher quality person I mean, from a, either contract doesn't matter, but if you approach it that, hey, to your point on the collaboration aspect of it, this is what they like to do. They may not like to go find new clients or new business or do those things, but they're really good at the one thing that you need. You know, it's it's a win-win. So I, mm-hmm. I love that and what you're doing. Yeah, we did share that model and I'm trying to figure out how do I incorporate that into everything I do because it just makes it just makes sense, right? I think we've used the, the movie you know, big budget movie where all these different entities come together and build and because everybody's good at one, somebody's good at stunts, somebody else is good at production, or somebody else is good at makeup, right? They're all their own little entities. They come together, they produce this really cool thing, and then they go on to what their their next project is. And your so business I, is no different. Those are the core functions in your business. I mean, it's really no different. You're exactly trying to just right. fill in the seats with the right people, with the right values. And again, like this model where I'm talking about, it's not for everybody. You got to know who you are and what you're comfortable with, you know, and what sort of a tolerance you have for risk and all the rest. I mean, you have to understand, you have to have some self-awareness. hundred percent. I just know myself that I will not sleep well at night if I have, you know, 25 people on the payroll and, and we're not hitting sales goals for that week, month, quarter. Like I won't be present with my wife. I won't be present with my <laughs> yeah. kids. You know, it's, it's going to affect all aspects of my life. I'll eat junk food late at night just to help me cope. You know, like my health will suffer. Everything will go down if I have that amount of pressure. And that's just me personally, right? So we all have to figure out what's our comfort level. And based on who we are and what we value and what our risk tolerance looks like, what's the best model to move forward and scale? And some of us don't want to scale. And that's okay, too. Who was it? Uh, Bo Burlingham, I think, wrote that book, Small Giants. And that was about companies who intentionally remained small, but great. And I love that concept. I, I, I remember not loving the book. I have to, I want to reread that book soon because I remember my, the first time through, I wasn't thrilled with, with the book itself, but I think it's a good book. I want to reread it. And, and I like the, the idea behind it. Yeah. No, I think the, the key and the whole point of this podcast is, hey, get to 10 is your, your, and the 10 million isn't the end all. Everybody's got their own 10. But the fact right. is you're out of that loop of stressing every week about payroll, right? You're stressed. You've got kind of what I would call maximum flexibility, right? If you want to go raise money and grow to a hundred million, you've got that path. But man, if you're happy now, you can work 40, 30, 20 hours a week and the company runs, throws off good profit. 
I mean, again, to your point, I think we spend way too little time on self-awareness and what we're good at and what we actually want. Back yep. to that North Star, right? I think everybody's, hey, well, I got to raise a billion dollars or raise. No, you don't, right? What is really important to you? So I think the world's getting better at that, but it's probably maybe 10%, not 90% right. at this point. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I love that. I love right. that. So, all right. So we could probably talk about that full episode too, but I want to get to your, what's what's number two for you for 2022? Yeah. So, so again, something I've been really focused on this year and I can't wait to use what I've learned this year to move forward in next year. But uh, this concept of getting over the fish, and I was just reminded about this concept yesterday because I told a friend, reconnected with her after about six months and she's like, yeah, this was really good information and uh, I'm constantly thinking about this. So get over the fish. I grew up fly fishing uh, with my dad at a very young age and we, we were horrible. Like we were really good at technique. We had all the Orvis gear and really nice rods. We'd tie our own flies. Like we were intellectually, we were really, you know, in good with fly fishing. Like we just knew everything about it. And we would go out to these incredible destinations in like Montana and Wyoming and New Mexico. Uh, and we'd get skunked for years. We'd get stunk. So finally, my dad invested in a guide. So this guy took us out. And he's like, wow, you know, you guys got all the right stuff. Let me sit, sit on the bank here. You can wade in, do your thing. Let me just watch you for a little while. So he watched us for like 20 minutes. He's like, guys, come on in, come on in. So he's like, do you see over there where you're fishing? We're like, yeah. And he's like, do you see over there? And we're like, yeah. And he said, that's a school of trout right there. He's like, you have the best equipment. You're using the right flies for these, this area, these conditions, the hatches going on. You know, your casts are perfect. Your technique is perfect. But even if everything is a 10 out of 10, if your fly isn't over the fish, you will never catch a fish. So he's like, I want you to do the same thing you're doing. Don't change anything, but go stand right there and see what happens. And sure enough, two, three casts and boom, we land our first trout. So it's this idea of getting over the fish. There are a lot of marketers who are screaming uh, on the rooftops about Twitter being the best place and LinkedIn being the best place or run your billboards or radio or TV or whatever it is. That may be, but we're all so uniquely, you know, our businesses are so unique and different and our prospects may or may not be on Twitter. They may or may not be on LinkedIn. They may or may not be in congested traffic on in route to the loop in Chicago. You know, it's like, right. So we got to get over the fish. Um, and I think we need to tune into our lead generation efforts. I'm a big believer in this idea that success leaves clues. I mean, so many of us, 90% of our business comes by way of referral. And I'm always shocked when I have these conversations with clients. We, we build their websites and then we look into generating leads and, 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 and doing some digital marketing. And it's like, well, where does all of your business come from? You know, the vast majority. Well, we're by referral only. Oh, great. So we're not going to re recommend Twitter. We're not going to recommend Google, pay-per-click and all this crap. Let's see what your referral system looks like. And it's like deer in headlights. Well, we don't have a referral system. Well, doesn't it make sense to double down and do more of what works? And maybe we should create and implement a referral system so we can get more of those predictable, get more results more predictably, because right now there is no predictability. So get over the fish. Where does your, you know, in the last one, three, five years, 
10 years, 25 years, depending on how long you've been in business, like where's the vast majority of your business coming from? Right. And then do more of it and get over the fish a little bit. And, and again, we're all different. We all procure leads from different channels, different sources. But how do we get over the fish more frequently and more aggressively so that we can produce more of those results more predictably? Yeah, no, I love that, man. You are a quote machine too. get over the fish and and success loves what was the one you said success leaves clues leaves clues yeah there's, sometimes there's no reason i mean if you have enough history in your business like there's no reason to reinvent the wheel just do more of what's already working right yes oh 100 and interesting i i will i'm going to comment on that but i'm actually going to use my number two because it's a perfect tie into exactly what you're talking about and you know i had listed you know customers as the start of your business development engine right to mm. to your point it's there's no better source than your own customers and finding out where they are, but are you leveraging most of them to your point? Abs absolutely not. And then two, um, I had heard a stat and I'd have to bet up. I didn't verify or validate for this. So in directionally, I'm, I'm assuming it's right that, you know, that Harley Davidson spends 80% of its marketing on its current customers mm. because, and I would love your perspective when I say this. So if I see you cringe, then I know you don't agree with it. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, the, the, I don't want to say Google search is dead, but Google search is not the first place customers are looking to solve their problem. First place they're going to is a peer, a colleague, a friend, and not just in consumer, but also in the business to business. Hey, how did you do this? Right. How did you generate more leads? Who did you use for a website? And the thought is, well, not too long ago, right? You would go to the Google search and the intent and how do I do this? But if they don't know you, right, they're going to see you come up and the odds of them going, oh, let me use that guy. But if one of the customers that you had had said, yeah, I use this, you know, Sean guy, he was actually really good. Or I've heard him on you know podcasts before. You may want to check him out. Then they'll Google search and find you. And maybe it was just to me because I can kind of just on the outside of the digital that that was an aha. That's it. But it makes perfect sense. That, right. but everybody, the conventional wisdom says, well, Google's paid ads and then Google search. But the fact is, man, leverage what you have with the fewest customers as you have. The more you get them talking about it, it's going to be a hundred times more powerful than you and I putting an ad out or even content out that, that talks about it. So I love your perspective on that. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I, I like what you're saying. I'm going to play devil's advocate though for a second because here's another quote for you to each his own. I'm a True. huge, it's like one of my values, right? To, to, you know, to each his own. So I love what you talked about, about Harley Davidson. And you're right about that. Harley Davidson customers are nuts. They are brand evangelists. They've got the Harley Davidson logos tattooed on their skin. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's the number, it's like the third highest tattoo. Yeah. Like the, the number of yeah. tattoos get Harley's third of <clears throat> anything between, behind mom. And that's I don't right. know what number two is, but that's insane. That's right. So as you're listening to us, if you run a dental practice, <laughs> chances are your clientele is not tattooing your dental practice logo on their chest. <laughs> right? So again, to each his own, you know, are we like, you know, do we have the opportunity to be more like Harley Davidson? Because we have these crazy brand evangelists, like, right? Like if you're an insurance broker, like insurance is boring. We all just, right. it is what it is. You know, I got to have it. It's not fun. It's not sexy. There's no appeal to it. So 
do I have brand evangelists or not, right? So if you do, then maybe that's a good strategy. That's a good avenue for you to investigate. But back to what you were saying about Google ads, and we just talked briefly before we hit record, like we have a client in the HVAC space. When it's, that happens to be in Minneapolis, by the way, it gets awfully cold. So based on the triggering events of someone going in search of information, what's going on in their life? Well, when it's 2 a.m., And a mother of a household wakes up and their kids are freezing sausages in their beds because the heat broke at 11 p.m. and it's 20 below zero. She's not going to ping her neighbor at 2 a.m. and ask for a referral. She's going to go right to her phone and type in fix my furnace ASAP. Right. Yes. Um, So it just again, it all depends on what you offer, product service. It depends on. Your, your client or your customer, and that's a big difference right there. Is it a client or is it a customer, right? Um, what's the triggering event? For what's going on in their life or their business for them to go in? You know, what happens for them to say, oh, I need to go search for a solution. You know, what's the problem you solve, right? These are all things and we're all different. We're all uniquely built as companies. And I think just because SEO doesn't work for some doesn't mean it doesn't work for others. Just because the referral campaign works for some, you just have to understand what might make the most sense based on your unique situation, right? Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And maybe even just going back to the core of it, that's just make sure you're leveraging your customer base. If they had a great experience with you, give them the platform to share that with other people. And maybe even the the step before that is make sure you're giving them a great experience, right? Because if your customers aren't going to vouch for you, you're right. If you have a a plumbing need or a a problem with the business, you're going to be desperate at that point. And you're going to go to see, hey, it's going to be a much quicker search. But if we go back at the broader point that, you know, at any given point, 3% of your buying audience is in uh, buy now mode, you got to be building up that credibility. So when they are ready, it's, it's there. So I think it's, that's very valid what you said. Yeah. And I love your focus on the customer and not only from a referral opportunity perspective, but also from an upgrade, upsell, graduating them to another program. Um, a complimentary service, you know, they're right there. And if you've done a good job and you've added value and solved their problem and they had a great experience, in addition to that referral, what else can we do to serve them more? Right. You look right. at McDonald's, you go in to order anything and they're like, you want a meal? Yeah. I might as well make it a wheel. Would you like to super, I don't think they supersize anymore, but would you they like might. to supersize? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. sure. Um, I was just checking out at, I can't remember the restaurant here in Dallas, but it was just a self-serve kiosk. There was a line out the door. It was lunchtime. Nobody was at the kiosk. And I hate the key. I'd rather talk with someone, but I'm like, well, okay, I got to get out of here soon. It's a to-go order. So I was doing that. And right before I checked out, there it was, you know, would you like to add any of these goodies to your lunch or whatever? And I'm like, you know, no, thanks, but I'm tuned into this. So I'm like, that's, that's brilliant. They probably get 20, 30, 40% adding another, you know, they probably increase their order size by 10, 20% every day by just having that little, would you like more? Just asking Um, the question, right? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. 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 And even from a referral standpoint, just asking, Hey, do you know anybody else, you know, that you work with that might be interested in what we're doing? Again, even when I was back in the enterprise space in sales, we were very hesitant to ask people for referrals or, Hey, if we do a good job, can we use you as a a testimonial for what we're doing? I don't, I don't know why that's so 
taboo. <laughs> and and right. I, I, I do think it's changing, but I think it's an untapped resource for, especially for small businesses that have customers, right? Not clients that right. are, are big fans of yours. And, you know, you're talking about the, the kiosk and self-serve, you know, I, in, interesting Chick-fil-A. Everybody I think is familiar with Chick-fil-A, whether you love them, hate them. They, they get the, their business, they understand their business, they understand their customers. We've got a place out here that basically has been shut down for four months, maybe three months. But what they're doing is basically doubling the size of their drive-through and make because that's where their customers, they're not coming in anymore, they're driving through and they had just too long of a backlog. And so basically they shut down their business, which throws off unbelievable cash. That's right. They say, hey, we're going to better be able to serve our customers and their themselves as a business by redoing what we had only built, you know, less than 18 months ago. So that's right. Yeah. I, I think it's one other thing for us to consider is just because it's worked, <laughs> think bigger. How can we make it make it work better? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And so much of this is right underneath our nose. Yeah. Like I'm a big fan of this acres of diamonds concept, which is like, you know, everything we need is right here. I, I just had, um, we launched a, a website for a client a few weeks ago and they, this gentleman, Jay, who, who is the founder of this business emailed me and he said, this project came in, what did he say? He said it was, it came in on time, on budget, and we've already 10 x our investment. And this was like two to three weeks. And I wrote back, I'm like, hey, that's so awesome. You know, we're celebrating he over here for you on your behalf and we're so excited. And then I recently hired a marketer and they're like, you don't ever showcase like your websites anymore. Like you, you don't, why don't you do anything with this content? And I'm like, you're right. You know, we should be posting like, hey, we're so excited to launch this website on behalf of this client. They were great to work with. You know, they were, they, you know, what a fantastic, you know, experience this was for all of us. Thanks for being a great client. We don't do anything like that. And we really should because we actually have a visual. We, we have a service that the outcome is visual. And then we right. get these, we get these little one-liners from clients in an email. And I'm always like, oh, cool. Thanks. That's awesome. I'm really excited about those results, but, and then it's like, move on to the next thing. Cause we're just hustling. So it's like a lot of what we should be doing and what we need is just right here underneath our nose. We're just missing it. Cause we're so focused on offense or the next best thing out there, or we're struggling with fires internally that are happening with, with culture and people, whatever else. So sometimes it's just helpful to step back and say, we already have what, 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 everything we need right here. Right. How can we better leverage what we've already got? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a perfect tie in straight back to your first point about having a system, right? If you right. Have a system that said, Hey, <laughs> right. customers launched, they had a great result. Well, if they have a great result, then automatically here's a step to get them onto the website and the interview process that we'll do for them. It's, it's uh, that's it's right. Perfect tie -in. And I know we had the best of intentions that we had three or four of these each, but I'm also, um, well aware of, of time. So if you're up for it, Sean, what I'd love to do is let's do a part two of this. And okay. Because I, I think there's a lot of value. I'm learning some stuff and I think the audience is going to get a lot of this is just having, you know, the things that we're learning, seeing, applying um, instead of making this a two hour episode. Let's, uh, let's come back for a part two and maybe even a part three if we've got some stuff that, that makes sense. So, awesome. I'd, I'd love um, to. Any thoughts or parting wisdom before we, we wrap up this one? And like I said, we'll, we'll hit them again next time. 
No, looking forward to part two. And I know everybody will be listening to this after the new year. So hope everyone had a safe, healthy, happy holiday season. Good new year. And uh, let's make it happen in 22. Seize the day, as I say. That's right. Sean, thanks for joining us. This was awesome. We'll get that part two here recorded before too long. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your week. Thanks, Brett. Hey, Sean, are you uh, you ready for part two? I'm ready. Awesome. I'm ready. I'm excited. I hope your listeners are excited as excited as I am. I had a really good uh, time talking. Exactly. With you last it was. Time. We went a little longer than I thought we would. So we're, that's why, if you've heard the audio intro, you know we broke this into two pieces because we didn't want to skip on you know any of our, our recommendations for for 2022. So with that, let me jump back, and I think it was back to my turn. If not, then we'll give you a chance to catch up later, Sean. But you know, we we talked a little bit about uh, who, not how earlier. And one of the mottos that I think I'm embracing for my business, I'm encouraging other entrepreneurs to look at is the the eliminate, automate, delegate approach, right? We talked about the delegation being the who, but I think there's a lot of processes or systems that you have in the business or don't that people just think they need to put structure around without first thinking, do I actually have to do this, <laughs> right? Is right. there a value to doing this task or this activity? And so, when I look at prioritizing what you're doing in your business, is there a chance to eliminate it? If it's not adding value, why are you doing it? Can you eliminate it? If you can't eliminate it, is there a way to automate it, right? An automated process so you don't have to do it. Again, mostly I'd say what 99% of this would be non-value added tasks or activities. And then if you can't automate it, is there a way to, to delegate it? And just as you know, as an entrepreneur, we get tied up in a hundred different things and rarely are we looking at, you know, how do we improve that, that process? You touched a little bit on it last, uh, earlier in the, this session, but again, as we look at 2022 and how to give yourself more time, follow that approach with what you're doing in your business and you know, your day to day. Yeah. I love this one, Brett. So what comes to mind to me is this a key phrase that I've been really tuned into over the past few years, which is reducing friction. So both from an internal perspective and an external, you know, as you're serving clients, like what's really adding value and what's just fluff that we haven't looked at for a few years and how can we reduce that friction, you know, at all levels throughout the journey of the customer. So I love that. And one of the, I think process documentation and training, you know, that's so difficult for, for us entrepreneurs because it's not really fun work for most visionaries. For most people, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that you brought up the who, not how philosophy because that book for me, it was like a big pressure valve that was released because what, what Dan and, and Ben are talking about, uh, Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy being the authors, they gave me permission to you know what, rather than document every step of the process, give the 30,000 feet and bring a who in who can do it better than you can. Let the who worry about the how this gets done. That's not your job as the entrepreneur. Your job is to identify the right who's to come in and do it better and more efficiently than you can. The how is on them. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's going to make process documentation so much easier having that perspective or that mindset on it versus it needs to be me that's writing down steps one through 12 of our onboarding process. You know? Right, exactly. Um, so that, that just released a whole, like that was a paradigm shift for me, was that yeah. these people need to come in and worry about their own how. And if you think about employees, no one really loves to be told 
how to do things. We all do things in our own way. What's important is that they understand the bullseye. They understand the outcome that that uh, process is looking to affect. They understand why it's important, but then maybe let them have a little bit more autonomy and flexibility with the how of things. I love that concept. Yeah, no, 100%. And you were actually one of the two people that recommended that book to me. It could have been much more than a month ago. And as what I was trying to do with my business, I read it. I'm like, game changer, right? It, it absolutely changed it. And well, the other part I found interesting about that was why we procrastinate, right? It's usually a task that we don't like, and it's not necessarily all bad. We just not made good at so for for the, the two authors Dan and and uh, and Ben to be able to tie that together. Like I said, it was I shared with you. I think forty eight hours after I read the book, said, "Yeah, this is what I've been missing. I've been too focused on the how and process of things." And I mean, process is important. You need to have a system that you can measure. But to that to your point on the level of detail of you know level one, level two workflows just not as important, right? As, as long as you're getting to the outcomes that you want and have people that that can own it. So yeah, one of, of all the recommendations you've given me, that was probably by far one of the, the best ones, at least from a book standpoint. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, great, great read. Simple read, right? I mean, very yeah. easy read, really powerful concepts in that book. And um, yeah, for, I think for anyone out there who's looking to grow their team, scale their business, there's a lot of concern in doing that and worrying, especially the first time, you just don't yeah. know what you're getting into. So that book, I think would be a really helpful uh, book to read before yeah. you embark on something like that. 100%. We both uh, agree with that one. So, all right, Sean, what's what's next on your list? So I would say next on my list would be fine tuning the messaging of your company. And, you know, we talked in previous podcasts about the book, Building a Story Brand, and how the story brand framework is so powerful. Um, but really clarifying your message so that prospects will actually pay attention and engage is, is such a power th- powerful thing, especially when we're all out there as business owners and entrepreneurs talking about our companies. <laughs> prospects don't care about your company. They care about whether or not you, know, you can solve their problem. So shifting your messaging to talk more about your, your prospects' problems than about how good you are as a company, I think is a is a big is a big shift, and it comes down to even as simple as like, hey, Brett, what do you do? You know, do you just say, oh, I'm a you know I'm a consultant, or do you right. start with a problem? Do you lead with the problem you solve to really pique that person's interest? So if you're out there talking with people, and when when people ask, what do you do, and you give your answer, and they're not asking for your business card, there's a messaging problem. There's a messaging problem and it really relates, you know, it relates to your website. It relates to all of your marketing and sales communications, your brochures, your LinkedIn bio, your LinkedIn tagline, the experience section on, I mean, everything that you do to communicate in a sales and marketing capacity as a company, that's where your message matters. Yeah. So I think we all have, I mean, we've been refining our message using the story brand framework for almost four years now. I think that book was published in 2017. As I shared with you, I officially got my certification in that framework earlier this year, which I was happy about. But we've been doing it for four years and it just gets better. It's like a fine wine, right? It's just, you know, it's seasons and ages with time. And 
your messaging is something that involves evolves. You're never going to say just, okay, we checked the box, we're done. It's going to get in your head and you're going to be thinking about it in the shower and you're going to be thinking about it when you talk to prospects and it's just something that's going to continue to improve with time. So if you haven't had a focus on your messaging and whether or not your messaging is truly landing with prospects, 2022 might be a really good time to embark on that process. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I talked about you talked about the friction and, and the, the, those areas of it, right? The messaging isn't there. You're going to make those prospects work harder to understand more about you, or they may not even they may not even try. And you know, just kind of two things piggybacking off of that. I think with why it's important as as entrepreneurs, we know we can we can have we have a good chance of selling anybody if we can get on the phone because we're passionate about what we do and we know how we solve this problem. We can frame it up for people in a conversation. But it's the folks that don't know you. If you don't get the messaging right, it you're never. If you connect with them, you may be connecting with the the wrong folks. And that's kind of part two of, of what I was thinking as you're talking about is it's equally important to for the people you want to talk to, but also to let the other folks you don't want to talk to that you're not the right fit. Which I think is I didn't articulate that very well. But basically, it can be a filter that said, hey, I'm, this this isn't who we work for. This is who I'm not a good solution for. But in reinforce the, the tribe that you're really going after. And I don't think too often we want to go super broad and talk to everybody. But with limited time, you've got you know 50% of the people coming to chat with you. have There's just no way you can help or it's not the right fit. It's, it's wasting time. So I think on the flip side, there's the dual benefit of getting the messaging right. Uh, to help sort through the folks that aren't a good fit for you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And to add to that, I mean, what what that's story brand is is nothing but a simple communication framework. And I've been involved with marketing for longer than I'd like to admit. I don't love marketing, actually. To me, it means like trial and error. Like there's no right. silver bullet, right? Um, but it's a challenge and I love challenges and it's a difficult one. And it takes Sometimes it takes a while to get right. And what I love about this story brand communication framework is it's so bloody simple and it includes that, that missing ingredient called empathy. It, it, it helps you as a company enter the conversation that's already going on in your prospect's mind, which is so powerful. And to, to get back to what you were just saying, that pro the person you talk to might not be the right fit, but when you... So when you make the problem compelling enough and you clarify it and you start with that, they might be like, oh my gosh, but my friend, my yes. friend has that, you know, I'm not in that. Like, like, for example, we're working with a top producing uh, real estate office in the Chicagoland area right now. And we're clarifying their message and we're rebuilding their, their website. And what's really neat is when they're, however many agents they have, instead of getting asked, hey, what do you do? And someone says, well, I'm a realtor. Like, you know, I may be looking to sell my house in three months, but just that you got to connect the dots better for me. Like I got a lot going on in my life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So right. they're going to they're going to now start by saying, well, you know, we truly believe that life's too short to live in a home you just don't love. I mean, just starting with the problem that that's a philosophical problem. You know, well, we we believe that, you know, or I believe that life's too short to live in a home you don't love. So I represent buyers and sellers in the, you know, Western Chicago land burbs, and I help them get X, Y, and Z. That's such a more memorable introduction Yes. than, well, I'm a realtor, you know? Um, so it, it just comes down to that, like starting with the problem. And that's what that story brand framework helps you do is it actually helps you start with the problem you solve. 
because I used to freak out when someone's like, well, what, what problem do you solve? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's I just great. This. <laughs> I probably should know that, you know, and, and yeah. also sometimes it's like, well, I solved 97 and a half problems. That's not good enough. That's too vague. It's too broad. You got to so start by solving a very specific pain point. So I love that they challenge us to really clarify and boil it down to what's the one problem you solve and solve best that accounts for over half of your revenue. And let's dial that in and really get it going so that it piques interest, it piques curiosity. So yeah. super powerful framework. I, I'm, I'm all in. All of our clients are on it now. And it's just, it makes such a big difference on all the marketing levels, all the sales levels. I mean, when you can boil down your communication into that framework, and then it's like, oh, we're going to run a radio ad. Let's pick from the framework what we're going to talk about. We're going to run a TV ad. Let's pick from that framework. We're going to do a Google ad, a Facebook ad. We're going to print a new brochure, a new business card. You know, are we using the language on that framework or not? Because if we're not, it's got to go. Right. Consistency, man. It's yeah, gotta be. that's it. And the other thing I like about that too is, again, you probably work with the, the business owners that are, well, we can do this, this, and this, right? In these different industries. And there's not enough time or content for you to be able to tell those stories across, right? All those different landscapes. So pick the what do you call it? The common, the most common denominator, right? That, Hey, we can, everybody needs to do this. Kind of like what you're doing with story brand with the, the companies you work for. If you can't get the story, right, it's going to be hard for me to build the right website and then create the content that's going to attract your, your ideal customers. So as that's much right. as it can be painful, pick a lane, pick one to start. And if you get really good in it, then you can expand and grow, but just to try to get content messaging across all the different areas and, Maybe just to tie off on that from my, my standpoint is, right, each industry is going to have its own language, even though your problem solves it very specifically, you know, in retail, that conversation is going to sound to somebody different in HVAC or a, a service, other services business that you have to speak the language of the client. And so if you don't get your messaging, if your messaging is too broad, they're going to back to your point of empathy. Now they don't really get my problems, right? We're unique in this space, whether you are or not, perceptions, reality, and customers believe that it is, it is unique. So I know it took it, a little off. No, I, I don't think you, there. I don't think you did at all. And, and to, to the flip side of that is it's too, it's too street level and it's too insider language and you're confusing and losing people. So you don't want to be over here in the broad spectrum. You also don't want to be so granular that you're confusing people. Right. It's got to be just right. Um, and I love what you just said about narrowing things down. I, I would call that a controlling idea. You know, like it. It, and, and Don Miller, the author of StoryBrand, of course, has a background in screenwriting and, and movies and whatnot. And he, he, he relates this in a way that everyone can understand. You know, think about the movie Speed. What's the controlling idea? There's a bomb on the bus. If this thing slows down over under whatever it was, 55 miles 50, per hour, everybody dies. Yeah, 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 everybody yeah. dies. That's the controlling idea. We we weren't, you know, learning that Keanu Reeves missed a 2 p.m. haircut appointment. <laughs> right. Like everything else Not is so cut true. out. Here's the controlling idea. So what's the controlling idea of your company? And then stick with that narrative to your point. Be consistent with that narrative. So for us, like we do, you know, we do all things digital marketing. We even do referral systems on behalf of, you know, a lot of clients. Hey, we just do by referral only. Well, let's look at your system. We don't have one. Do you want more predictability? Let's build one. We do Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, all these annoying acronyms. We can do it all, but we, our 
central idea is around, hey, you have a website that's underperforming and costing you incalculable amounts of missed opportunity. You want to fix that? That's our central idea. That's all we talk about. And if we can get that right, everything else becomes easier. And, and the results come because we get that foundation right. So, so many of our clients are saying, well, we've got eight revenue streams. But when we pop the hood and we really ask the right questions and dig deep, we learn that one revenue stream accounts for 70, 80, 90% of their revenue. And all the other stuff is like upsells, upgrades, downs, all that other stuff, complimentary services. So it's like, does our business, when you look at our business as an outsider, as a prospect, do we look like Target and we got 68 aisles? All right. You know what I mean? Or do we, do we, or are we known or will we be known for solving that one problem? So do we have a, a controlling idea at our company or not? And if you don't have a controlling idea, you're missing a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, no, hundred percent agreed. And I know in the, the order of uh, our ideas for 2022, I think I was up next, but yeah. since you talked about the website, let's go with your next one. Cause I know you wanted to talk about having the, the website that works for you. Um, Let's start with that, then we'll come back to my my last one. Um, yeah, websites are really annoying, aren't they? They're like these necessary evils. It's a digital first world now, and we all, we all should probably... I mean, there's some companies that don't necessarily need them. I don't want to sit here and say everybody needs them, but um, mm -hmm. it's probably a good idea to get a website that works. Yeah, <laughs> you know? 100%. And a lot of websites out there that are representing companies don't work. They're leaving a ton of money on the table, and they're just ineffective. They cost too much money to maintain, too much money to host, they're on outdated technology. They're embarrassing. They're not compatible with the latest and greatest web browsers and you know smartphones and all that stuff. Um, so get a website that does its job and whatever that is. I mean, we're all different. Some people just want to establish credibility, back up the claims being made on the streets by the salespeople. Great. Right. And that's the North Star for your next website. Um, some people want to generate leads. Great. Let's take that bullseye into consideration, stick to it, and make sure that we get a website, our next website does that. It generates leads for our company. Um, win clients, get quotes, schedule those appointments, book out that sales calendar, whatever it might be for your company, get a website that supports you in that capacity and does its job and does it well, right? Yeah, no, 100%. And I know we, we covered a little bit of this and we had you on talking about websites, right, which was eye opening. But I do want to go back because I did actually move my uh, secondary site, the, the biz owner site to uh, Squarespace, right? Because again, conventional wisdom, back to my first point of, of this was, right, you have to use WordPress in order to get SEO and drive the business. And you know, I can make minor edits to my my website in the WordPress, but to do anything holistic or big, I need to bring somebody in and it's a complicated process. And so on your advice, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to launch a Squarespace. I found, you know, a, a resource to just help me build it or, and convert it over. It was cheap. It was easy. Now I can actually update it. And I know I'm not a paid affiliate for <laughs> Squarespace, but I just want to reinforce the point. You got to do what, what, what works for you. And right, I don't think I think people can be intimidated by I've got to spend, you know, 30,000 or 50,000 to get the, the top of the line website to drive. You don't. Right. It's you know, I, I guess it's more function over uh, while aesthetics are important. But, you know, what I'm saying I'm trying. It's just. Yeah. It, it yeah. No, to, you're right. You're right. And if you talk to most agencies, they're going to recommend WordPress. <laughs> There's a really good reason they recommend it because they make a fortune off it. 
WordPress, and we've talked about this, it's like driving a 1978 Mercedes-Benz E-Class that leaks oil all over your, your garage floor. Not only does it need a ton of maintenance, but that specialized maintenance is going to cost you a pretty penny. Squarespace is a mechanic that can do it, right? It's, that's right. right. That's right. And, and actually, there's a lot of mechanics that can because it's a very profitable platform for the agencies, not necessarily for the business owner. But you move over to Squarespace, it's like driving a brand new Tesla Model S. It's like oil changes. What are those? So there are more cost-effective technologies out there. I mean, I, I every week I feel like I get off the call with, with, with a business owner who said, hey, we spent tens of thousands of dollars on this uh, Salesforce implementation and nobody's yeah. using it and they're so mad. So there's a lot of technologies out there, too many options almost to choose from. One of the reasons that this is happening is because of there, there's affiliate relationships going on. So agencies are making money on affiliate commissions. They recommend a technology, they get a kickback. We should always ask people about that. Hey, you're recommending this, this is great. Uh, do you have a relationship with them in any way? Or we also need to understand, you know, a, a lot of people get, a, I'll just keep it in the website arena for now. A lot of people buy a website and they're like, oh, it's only $3,500 or it's only $5,000. And yeah, that's the short-term cost. But, but run the numbers for a few years. You, know, you hope this website lasts you a little while. Like yeah. you want this thing to get yeah. to, uh, you know, 100,000 miles, 900,000 miles. You want this website to last three, five, eight years. I mean, this is not a fun experience to go through. No one, it's like a root canal. <laughs> we need one. We're not looking forward to it. So ask about the long-term cost because a lot of agencies will sell you a, a, a pretty looking WordPress website for 3,500 bucks, 5,000 bucks. Does the language land with the visitors? Does it convert? Does it actually work? Is it effective? It might just look pretty, right? but is it effective? Does it produce the results you, you need or not? So they do that, but then they're going to charge you on the back end for hosting and maintenance. I mean, WordPress is open source, so it's vulnerable. They're going to charge an arm and a leg for you know SSL, bank level security, arm and a leg for hosting, arm and a leg to update the, the version of it, all the plugins you need. I mean, it's amazing to me that more, especially small businesses, aren't on Squarespace because you get everything under one roof for like 180 or 200 bucks a year, not a month, a year. You get bank level security, reliable up uh, uptime for hosting, like world-class 24-7, 24-7, uh, I think seven days a week customer support if you need it. You have a direct relationship with them so you can bypass the agency as the middleman. If Squarespace goes down, <laughs> millions of other sites are down and you've got a publicly traded company that whose stock is going to plummet. Right. So yeah. like you've got the back end of a publicly traded company. WordPress is an open source, you know, built in a garage kind of a thing and, and is very expensive to, to maintain. Now, that's just my opinion, built in a garage. <laughs> I'm just venting now. No, no. I, it, no. WordPress is incredible, but I knew there was something wrong. Many years ago, I was... I, I, I was I had the privilege of being invited into right in the entrepreneurial column of Forbes.com. And I had multiple browsers open. I was logged into a client site because we used to recommend WordPress for our clients. Logged into Forbes.com and I couldn't tell which site was which. And I'm like, my client gets about 500 visitors a month. Forbes.com is getting millions a month. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. There's something wrong. Like, why am I prescribing this solution? They're not a Forbes. 
they don't publish a hundred pieces of content an hour. Like there's something wrong with this. Right. And for the folks listening out there and, you know, Sean's rant is, is justified because if you do a little homework and, and look at, Hey, difference between Squarespace and WordPress, you're going to see a lot of folks that share Sean's opinion, especially for the, the small business space that it's, it's just a much better off opt option. And we've been sold. I, I admit it to you couple episodes when we were on that, you know, I was maybe not sold that bill of goods, but I bought it hook, line and sinker that, Hey, if you want SEO, man, you have to have WordPress. And, you know, I think what we're trying to get at is that's just not the case. You got to do what's right for you. And I do like the idea. And I would hope that agencies and, and vendors that you work with have transparency about where they have affiliate relationships. And if they don't, then that may tell you a little bit about your, your business partner or your who going back into that. So and I think there's a place for it. WordPress is fantastic when the prescription is accurate and when it's valid. I mean, it's an amazing, it powers so much of the way. WordPress is awesome. But for the clients I serve, they just want a website that works. They right. want like this glorified online brochure that actually generates leads and wins clients. They want, <laughs> they're the results driven. They don't want to get in the weeds and talk about all these technology acronyms and different ways to code things and that's not their business. Right. So I'm not faulting. And it's one of those things where, you know, hey, when you use a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. Yeah, it's, no, what I... it, it's what it comes down to. And to your point about SEO, like SEO is not a, it's not a bad strategy, but it's got to be the right fit strategy. And so many of us make the mistake of, you know, we're visionaries. We want to go on offense. We're high growth people. So we just want to, you know, we want to do the ads. We want to do the SEO. We want to do all this offense. But when our website sucks, we're just, the results, it won't be any different. The only other result is your bank account's going to decrease and you get a lot more traffic. Well, that's great. And the SEO companies or the ad agencies are like, look, we increased your traffic by, you know, we a thousand X to you in a week, but I still don't have any leads. Right. But that's what you're paying them to do. Yeah. So they technically did their job, but what they didn't look out for was, hey, is this mousetrap working right now or not? And a lot of us think we need to go on offense where in reality, like even if you have 50 visitors a month on your website or a week, let's say you have 50 visits a week and you have 200 a month, are you getting leads from that or not? Because if you turn the gas on and you get 200 a week and 800 a month or you get 10,000, you're going to produce the same results. Right. And so many of us business owners don't know the numbers. We don't know how many visits a, a month on our website. We don't know how many leads and we don't know our conversion rate. If you know that, you're way ahead of 99.9% .9 of business owners. Just those three metrics alone. And those three metrics alone will help you make better, more informed decisions as it relates to marketing. Because if you don't have an effective conversion rate today, you got to start where the, at, at the leaky foundation, which is just the website itself. And you probably already have enough activity on your website to generate some good results as it is based on all of your activity in the past, all your PR, all your networking, all your, everything you've ever done to market your company is probably getting you a little bit of traffic. So why not capitalize on what's already there first and make sure it comes down to a mathematical certainty that we're confident in the way our website performs first as step one. Before, before we go out and work on SEO or pay for SEO, yeah. before we go out and pay for Facebook, Google, Twitter ads, before we go out and launch that next press release, before we go blogging on, you know, Forbes.com and Inc. and all this other stuff, um, get the house in order.
Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It goes back to get the messaging, right? Get your website, right? Then you could start to, from a performance type of a process. And you're, as you were talking about WordPress, one of the things that came back, you know, back in the early days of marketing automation, right? Everybody had to have Eloqua. No, you don't. Mm. <laughs> and that's when HubSpot was, you know, kind of hyper-focused yeah. on a small business. There was, to your point, everybody's got the right tool. You don't need the the Cadillac, right? Or dating myself when, when you really, all you need is the, right? The motorcycle, whatever to, to get you there. It's just the right tools for your business and don't just assume. So I think that's uh one last thing. Yeah. I, and then we'll get off the marketing topic because it drives even me nuts, Brett. But um, last week I had a call with a gentleman out West and he called us because he wanted a new website and a client portal. And he wanted a client portal where clients could log in and basically see where they were in the process. And I challenged him on that. And I said, okay. And he said, I've got quotes for 10 grand. I got quotes for 30 grand. Like, I I just, I need some help. Like, I don't know how to think through this. I said, well, two things. I'm going to challenge you on the need for that client portal. I said, is that a, one of your brilliant ideas or is that a legitimate demand coming from your existing clients? And, the, and, and he just went silent. And I said, I've seen too many people spend tens of thousands of dollars on these you know, proprietary client portals. And guess what? Nobody wants it. Or uses them. Or uses, <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's another login credential for your clients to have to manage. Who, do you want more login credentials? I don't. I already have too many of them. So is this, is it going to add more value? And do, do your clients actually, are they asking you for this? If not, you may want to reconsider and do a little sanity check on this idea. It's a cool one. It's a cool idea. Yeah. You know, is it going to affect the outcomes you want or not with your existing clients? Okay. Number two have you looked into third-party solutions? I mean, you're not the first guy who wanted a client. Like I know when I log into my accounting firms, you know, I, I'm in a, a third-party, you know, I log into my legal team. Right. It's a third-party, it's a secure environment that houses my documents. They didn't build it. So I'm like, does anything else out there? Well, oh, I never thought about that. So I went to a site called G2 and I searched for client portal software. And I'm like, well, here are a hundred options for you. Right. That start at $24.95 a month. Does that sound better than ten dollars to $30,000 with six, nine, 12 months of unknown time demands? Working with someone you may not even like in the first place exactly. who speaks right. a different language called tech talk, you know? Um, so that's another thing too, is like we have these brilliant ideas, you know, and they're fun to think about, but let's really do a sanity check and make sure that they're legitimate and that they're they're in demand and they're wanted by who it is we're trying to serve. And then also let's research and see if there are alternative solutions because maybe we're not the first person to think this one up. Right. It is almost, it will be 2022 when people are listening. So we're probably not the first person to have this idea. And maybe there's a, a, a web-based software solution out there that can get get us from point A to point B with no headaches and let someone else manage all the lost password login requests and all the bugs and kinks. Like we're not a software company. We do HVAC. Right. <laughs> you know? We're not, not a software how, company. We're, yeah, we're a consultant. So let's right. stay in our lane and bring on that who, who can do it better than we would ever be able to do it. 
who actually wants to do it and enjoys doing it, right? And that's what they're investing in finding folks like you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's in, I would say amazing, but man, your perfect segue again into my last and our probably our last topic is around customer experience, right? Build cool. backwards from the customer. We talk about starting with the buyer. We talked about eliminating the friction and way too often we still look at everything from internal to external, right? Our sales process, right? Our onboarding process, all those things that you just talked about, think about it from the buyer perspective, then I think we're getting better at buyer enablement, but how do you take the barriers out of the way? How do you get the friction? How do the buyer get the information they need? But don't stop there, right? So if you sell this customer, just don't throw it over the fence. <laughs> Say, hey, we got a customer, I'm going to go get the next one. And it's got to be that that journey of making sure that that experience is phenomenal because yeah, as we talk about differentiation, technology is not going to differentiate. You come up with a cool platform, you know, three months later, somebody's going to be able to find a variation of that cool platform that gives 90% of what that other one does. Yeah. So think about it from the customer experience to your example. I thought your perfect segue with your customer that your customers really need a buyer portal or a portal for it. And what's driving that or can you satisfy that need that they have in another way. But the important thing is thinking about it and don't project. I'm guilty of that as say, hey, I know what my buyers are going to want because, but don't assume, right? It's It's got to be a part of that process. And people say, well, everybody's going to provide great customer experience. I beg to differ. It, it's a differentiation. I'm going to go with somebody that provides a great experience that may be a little more expensive or a little slower or doesn't have everything that I need. But I know that I've got that relationship and the experience. I'll tell a hundred people about that, right? And that's so, right. and that's as a small business, we have that opportunity to be super intimate with the customers that we have. But too often we don't, right? It's hey, we sold them; they're going to be our customers, and then we're surprised when they leave, or we're not sure what had happened. And so, what I'm looking at in 2022 is I don't care if you got one customer or ten thousand customers. Figure out how you can measure that experience that they're going through. Um, you can do it internally or externally. There's who's out there that that do nothing but help you understand not just a net promoter score. I like net promoter as a leading indicator, but actually have you or somebody talk to your customers about their overall experience and make those the priorities where there's friction within those that experience. That's what you need to prioritize. Take that out of the process and build, like I said, build back. You can't go wrong if you start with the customer and work backwards. I love that. I love that. And a few minutes ago, we talked about empathy as far as a marketing tool. And what you're saying now is empathy as far as a customer experience tool, right? And it's it's no longer about what's in it for us, but it's about how may, how may we serve them. And instead of, I love what you said, like, will this, our sales product, well, yeah, but... <laughs> Let's look at it from how they experience it. And right. that's that empathy piece, you know, and I love that. It's so powerful and it's, it's not used as often as it should be. So when you can introduce that empathy component, you're really differentiating. How many of us out there want to differentiate ourselves? Probably everybody, right? Yeah. Well, it's start scary. using empathy. <laughs> start yeah. using empathy and see what happens, especially as it relates to the customer service. It's, it's, it's awesome. So yeah, I, I love that last one, and I think you know none of us out here can say oh, our customer experience is a you know ten out of ten. Right, as you say, it's a living, and we're always striving to get better and improve as we grow our business. It gets more difficult to do it because you've got more customers. 
Yeah. And I think, again, we talk about growth as a revenue number, which is true, but the revenue, the math equation, I guess, is going to be enhanced by the, 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 the soft, right? The experience. And I That's think right. at the end of the day, it's human to human, and we're going to buy from people that we like or trust and build that relationship and who understand us. So let, um, let me let me give you an example about customer experience. So so 13, year, 13 years ago, when we first started this agency model, you know, there was a project management system out there called Basecamp. And we were requiring our clients to log into Basecamp to communicate with us. That is so insane. For me to think back, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, because it was cool. Basecamp was cool. For you guys, right? Yeah, Basecamp still is cool, right? But the point is, like, that was that's so embarrassing to think about. And and we just, you know, we moved and we have a new accountant now. And you know, she emailed us last week and said, "Hey, um, anytime I have a document for you, or anytime you have a document for me, please use this share file tool." And Karen and my wife and I were in the car and we're just laughing because we're like, we use email every day. Can you just meet us where we're already at? So let me get this straight. You need a signature. And rather than just pressing reply and attaching and, you know, the job's done, we now have to remember the URL for your company. The the password. The so-and-so.share file. Remember the password to get in. And now we have to fumble through folders and we have to think through which one's the right folder here because we have multiple companies. And then we have to find the folder on our desktop, upload it into there, and then maybe even email you to say, I just jumped through all your hoops. Like you you just created something that was otherwise a no-brainer, didn't make me think at all, probably took me 10 seconds to, this is going to really frustrate the hell out of me and the five, 10 minutes it's going to take me to do this is going to feel like an hour. It's horrible customer experience. And you're asking us to do something that is not in our natural, it's not in our day to day. So we communicate, like for us, it's just, there's all sorts of cool tools, but we communicate with our clients via email. If I asked one of the visionaries that we serve to log into Asana and pay attention to the project management process, we'd get fired. (laughs) They're too busy. I'd hope they'd fire us if we made a request like that. So we have to double check our experience and make sure that we're not asking too much of the clients we serve because none of us want to be inconvenienced like that. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think two, two final things on that, because it goes right back to right. Our process versus what's right for the customer. Right. So your accountant is like, Hey, this is my internal process that I need you to conform to versus how do I make the experience better for you? And as I think, you know, about business opportunities, right. I always like to think, Hey, what's next? Because, we know the B2B world's going through a transformation. A lot of these companies are not going to be able to get out of their one way. They're internally focused first. They're siloed. It's not about a customer experience, man. So go find a business that's just full of those potholes and that friction and have a, a super generic product and offering, but take all that friction out of there. You yeah. will have a very successful business, yeah. right? Just building it off, the, uh, off of experience. And I still think there is a model that I haven't, you know, if we had time in the day to go and say, hey, let's go take on some of these incumbents in these older industries and That's right. they're just providing a shitty experience. And so if we can just flip that, right, even if you're a reseller of that same company's products, but you're just right. providing it, you know, it just, yeah. It Huge opportunity sense. for the so, right person. Yep. 
Awesome. Well, Sean, we've been killing it with time again. So any parting thoughts for our, our, uh, our audience here in 2022? We'll have to come back and revisit some of these, but uh, yeah, you know, words of wisdom. I just, I, I think, um, I don't know. I just revisited my goals from January of this year. And uh, it just, I don't know, write down your goals, write down what you want in 2022. And I think you're going to have a better, I mean, data statistically, you'll have a better chance of, of getting them done, of achieving those when you write them down. Uh, but it's really nice to look back and reflect and, and uh, focus on some of the gains that you've experienced, you know, as we're all reflecting here at the end of the year, like so many of us have this just it's human nature for us to be like, gosh, these are all the things I didn't do. These are the vacations I didn't take, time with my family I didn't spend, um, the promotion I didn't get, or the the new service line we didn't launch. You know, we focus on all the negative. It's right. just the way our brains are right, wired. So as we, well, this is going to be published in 2022, but do yourself a favor and start focusing on the good. Start finding the things that were, you know, good and exciting and positive in 2021 they're there it's been a tough year for everybody again i think for the most part but there are some golden nuggets of 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 joy and and positivity and good things going on so try to just stay focused on some of the things that make you feel good versus some of the things that maybe don't make you feel so good yeah i think that's really well said and a great message as we we head into 2022 and the only thing i'll add to that is only worry about the things you can control, <laughs> right? Okay. In life as in business, we get so hung up on, on stuff. We just, it's outside of our control, but we just burn the calories and the energy and the emotion on it. So easier said than done, but I've been really working hard to focus on if I can't control it. I mean, there's nothing I, there's nothing to do about it. I, I love that. I love that. What was that movie with, with De Niro and the circle of trust? Oh, meet the Fockers. Meet the Fockers, yeah. So I have this conversation with my dad all the time. I'm like, Dad, circle of control. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what you're talking about, you know, you're in the circle. And what you're talking about is way the hell out here. You know, Dad, circle of control. I use that all the time. I love that. Focus on what we can control. That's right. 100%. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you taking the time, the extended time to, to chat with us. I think there's a ton of value. We'll keep this conversation going. Um, Appreciate it and everybody in the audience. And yeah, once again, Sean, best place for folks to find you if they want to, to reach out, where's uh, where, where's the ideal? Yeah, you can connect on LinkedIn if that's your thing. Otherwise, uh, our website is SavvyProWeb.com. So you can certainly uh, find us there. And if you're in the market for a newer, better, more effective website that actually works this time around, uh, we'd love to have a conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Especially if you want a WordPress site, Sean is your guy. <laughs> if you made it this far in the conversation, then we know that's We've got a WordPress so. and a Salesforce package right yeah, now. It's right. a bundle and it's just a bundle of headache. <laughs> and you probably know somebody can get you hooked up with Eloquent too. So that's right. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Well, as yeah. always, Sean, I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day and we'll catch up with you soon. Hey, thanks so much, Brett, for having me. Appreciate right. it. Cheers. Cheers.